if we as artists look at our work and say, well, each space and each development in our own work is part of that journey, it kind of allows us to breathe into it a little bit more. there. This is Allison Jacobs, the host of the Creative Frame podcast, where I interview other photographers about their creative process and what inspires them. I am so excited to share today's conversation with you because I just know that you'll be inspired. Before I jump in to share about today's episode, I want to take a minute to thank you for being here, for listening, for sharing the episodes with friends, and for sharing on social media. It means so much to me when I hear how much y'all are enjoying these conversations and that wonderful feedback is what keeps me going. So thank you. Today for episode 17, I'm talking with Chloe Lodge, who is an award-winning storyteller photographer based in New Zealand. She loves to illustrate life with light and digs deep into the shadows of her every day. Chloe has also recently shared her love affair of the photographic medium with the world in the form of a self-published recipe book. It's called For the Love of the Photograph and has become a global success and treasure within the photography community. She recently moved to New Zealand and now lives on a sheep, beef, and deer farm with her husband, two children, and their much-loved rescue dog called Luca. In this conversation, Chloe does not hold back from sharing about her journey, how her art background influences her photography and her creative process. We dig deep into how you can get reflective and analyze your work along with why this kind of activity is important and how it will help you grow your skills as a photographer. We also spend some time discussing Instagram and Chloe shares some insightful thoughts and questions you can ask yourself as you use this. This is one that you do not want to miss. So here's our conversation. Hi, Chloe. Hi, Allison. How are you doing? I'm doing so well. Thank you so much for joining me today to chat. I'm super excited about this conversation. Oh, me too. It's an absolutely, to receive your message, it was a real honor. So I'm really excited to be um, here chatting to you. Oh, great. Thank you. So let's just dive right in. And I would love to just have you share a little bit about how you got into photography and a little bit about your what your journey was like to becoming a photographer. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's a kind of a funny one, because I know that there are lots of photographers in our community that start their journey because they they pick up their camera and they want to take pictures of their kids. But actually, my journey started a little bit, it was a little bit different to that. I wanted to be a photographer when I was a kid, but it was analog and it was really expensive to make mistakes. And I was 18, 19, I was at art college and we were kind of choosing our directions and I wanted to do photography. But again, you know, as I said, it's analog, it's expensive. And also for the fact that I'm not that technically minded, (laughs) anything that comes with numbers or anything, which sounds really ironic being a photographer, but anything coming with numbers and having to work mathematics out and all that sort of stuff, I freeze. So during art college, I basically did something that I I was really drawn to, which was sculpture, because I love the tangible. And actually, funnily enough, that's now kind of circling back in my work. So I kind of went on this route of sculpture, and then I kind of diversified again, and I studied art history. And then I went up to London, and I needed to get a job. And I was at this stage where I was like, well, what am I going to do? I fell into event management and loved it, did that for 10 years. I thought it was going to be a lot more creative than it was. Um, But actually, event management is a lot of organizing. It's a lot of planning. Uh, The the creative part is like a tiny part of the event. And then there's obviously all the people and everything. And and then I went traveling at sort of 28. I did a sort of late backpacker year. And and during that time, I had this tiny little excess. It was like the size of a cigarette packet. And I started taking pictures. And all of a sudden, I remembered this thing that I used to love doing and I'd stopped doing. And obviously this is a time pre-iPhones, pre-everything else. So it was really, really when you took pictures, whenever it was 20 odd years ago, you had to be very considered. You had to like remember your camera. You had to remember to take it with you. You had to 
you know, remember to charge it and have based on your SD card and all that sort of stuff. So it was a very considered exercise, whereas now we have this freedom because we basically have cameras with us all the time. So, yeah, so that that happened. And then I sort of came back from my traveling, which was supposed to be a year and ended up being three. <laughs> uh, I did do quite a lot of jobs during that time while I was traveling. I, that's when I first found my love affair with New Zealand. That's when I met my husband, um, my now husband. And really, I came back and I was like, right, I've run out of money and I need to get a job, proper job. I need to stop this kind of um, messing around. I'm in my early 30s. I've had my freedom moment. And I went back and worked in an office and I I thought I was dying inside literally every day. I was doing the commute. I was sitting at the desk. I went back to sort of my old roles and I was looking at spreadsheets and I was organizing meetings. And inside, I felt like there was this massive missing part, this creativity and this vision and this open perspective of the world that I had, you know, opened up for myself was all of a sudden closing in around me. And I was like, I can't let this happen. I can't let this happen. So at that point, um, this was pre-marriage, pre-children. I was like, this, maybe photography is what I need to do work-wise. So I went into photography, viewing it as a new career path, basically. So that's when I trained as a photographer. I went to Paris and I found this course, which was a year course. As I said, I was in my early 30s, so I didn't really have time to go back and do a three-year course, or it would probably have been part-time degree, which would have been five years in between working. I was just, I didn't have that time, but I did have a year and I had, I'd inherited a little bit of money from the loss of someone really, really close to me. And I, so I decided I was going to use that money in a way to push my life forward in a way that I thought would work for me business-wise. So yeah, so that's what I did. And I, I studied as um, a photojournalist slash documentary photographer. And yeah, and that's sort of how the jump from a life without photography to a life with photography happened. And then from then it's been an, well, quite a roller coaster <laughs> for the last 10 years. So yeah, the evolution from that point. Uh, and it's quite funny because I thought, oh, well, I'll come out. And I felt very confident and I knew all of these things. And I was like, I want to open a photography school myself and I want to teach and I want to do all of these things. And I felt super confident. And then sort of over the last 10 years, I've kind of like, I feel like I've been a bit of on a bumper car, you know, it's kind of like, oh, I'm going along. I know where I'm going. Nope. Bang. Oh, oh, bang. And it's sort of been very much kind of a jostling learning experience. And now I'm in the car and I'm kind of finding my path through that makes sense for me. So it's really been a very evolutionary thing to be 10 years now as a what I would consider a professional and intentional photographer and still doing it. Um, there are lots of people that were on my course that aren't doing it because it is really hard field to be in. And it's, it's a real honor to still be here and now to be able to teach and share my experience and nurture other people through that journey, because it isn't, it isn't sailing <laughs> when we delve into who we are as people, as storytellers, as artists, and then combine that with clients. It's not a straight path, as I'm sure you know. So the more I can help people and guide people and just give people tools or direction or even a lemon great big hug, you know, whether it's through my computer or through my book or anything, and then I'm really excited to be able to do that. So, yeah. It's so neat to hear about that evolution. I know you talk about it. I love the bumper car idea because I can visualize and I definitely feel like I've been there as well with my photography journey, but it also sounds like you've had art all throughout at different times, almost like you would step away and it would draw you back in. And like you mentioned, like even with the sculpture, you're seeing it sort of full circle, come back into your work now. So it does sound like even though it's been a long journey to get to where you are now, and of course we know we're always continuing to evolve as well, but it does sound yeah. like there's always been that pull back to the art piece and back to the photography piece. So it's really neat to hear how those sort of jumped out at you throughout those years um, during the different things that you did. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that was really interesting because when I studied art history, it was 20 odd years ago. 
And when I came out of uni, the landscape, career landscape was very different than it is now. And it was literally like, I have a degree in art history. And the obvious jobs from that were work in a gallery, curate, be a curator, or um, work in an auction house. And none of those really appealed to me. They felt dry and they felt about, it wasn't really where my heart was pulling me. So that's really why I sort of ended up going into event management, really. And I sort of thought, well, how is my degree in art history ever going to help me, honestly? And I sort of almost put it in a box and put it on the shelf and thought, I just enjoyed immersing myself in looking at art and understanding art, understanding the visual genres and all that sort of stuff. But it's sort of in a box on a shelf. And then when I started really studying photography 11 years ago, and I was sitting there in one, I remember one particular class, it was called Visual Identity, and it was a class where we talked about each other's work. And it was a very gentle, it wasn't, you know, it was critique, but it was in a um, very gentle, let's think about what we all see and feel in this work. And all of a sudden, all of this stuff (laughs) kept coming from my head. And I was like, yeah, well, I, I can like the light and the lines and the perspective and the symbolism and the la 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 la. And I was like, oh, hang on a minute. I was like, how do I know all of this stuff? And it was crazy because it was like I had, it's like I had separated my life. I had my school life and then I had my art college life and then I had my university life and then my event management life, you know, and all of these little like sections. But all of a sudden I connected the dots. And I think that is, that's one thing that I find so powerful about photography as a medium is it enables you to connect dots that you wouldn't necessarily do in other fields, in other jobs. You know, all of a sudden you can go, well, I love this or I'm drawn to this or I learned this or I experienced this or this was missing. So you can go and now I can bring it into my work or I can find it in my work or I can you know draw it and I think that is what is so amazing and powerful and I really did have a moment where I was like actually there's so much in my mind and in my learning that I can bring to picking up a camera and it was it was really reassuring that I hadn't wasted three years at university to be honest yeah so Art has definitely always been there. It's always, always been there. But sometimes it takes quite a long time to find the true application of what you love. So, yeah, that's really sort of where I'm at now. It sounds like the art history sort of came back in that moment when you were looking and analyzing other people's work and analyzing your own work. How do you see that now in your work? Or do you see a connection with the art history? And I know you mentioned earlier with the sculpture, how do those things show up in your work now? Yeah, absolutely. I do. And I, I feel like I've got this urge to return a lot to almost placing myself in a I'm not that I consider myself a you know you know I'm sort of like in the flow of art I'm not the next Picasso or you know whoever Um, but I definitely in the evolution of art I love looking back and understanding how it is for or how it's always been for artists because we can get very caught up in the right now in terms of Instagram you know Instagram is our now but actually and then you know people get caught up in sort of how uh, we follow trends and how we maybe imitate from other people and borrow ideas and you know but but that's been happening for centuries it's it's how artists have been learning and growing for centuries but it's really understanding that there is the imitation, but then there's the innovation that happens from it. Or, for example, you know, if you look at cubism or any major art movement, it was sometimes it was either a reaction to what was happening or a, an elevation of what was happening. And I think that's another thing that's really, really interesting is that if we look at ourselves within the bigger picture, it sort of frees us from ourselves in some ways to get so caught up in the oh well this is all about me and this is all about you know what I'm learning and what the other person's doing and how can I make that better or how you know and it's like no 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 we're just in the flow of it we are just the 
you know, artists that are in that flow of that process. And there's very little that is brand new. We're all absorbing and learning and growing from other people. And and I love looking back at art and being influenced by it in terms of, you know, when you look at Picasso, for example, you know, he started in a very, his drawings as a draftsman was so, so amazing. And then yet, he evolved and he had his blue period and then he went through his cubism and then he, you know, and then he just sort of grew and grew and each stage had its place within his journey. And I feel that if we as artists look at our work and say, well, each space and each development in our own work is part of that journey, it kind of allows us to breathe into it a little bit more. I know I've done it. I've been there. And I know that actually you can get so caught up in the weight of what you're doing right then. And I'm like, I have to get this perfect. And if you don't win an award or you you, you don't do this or, or you don't get featured or you don't, it's like, oh, this is a calamity. And it, rather than going, well, that's fine, but I'm just on my journey. I'm on my journey. It's fine. All artists have their journey. And often in, in art history, many artists who were pushing their craft were not actually considered great at their craft when they were doing it. <laughs> That's another ironic thing is that we look back now and we were like, well, this person, you know, changed this and did this. And But if we went back in time, if we had a time machine, actually, I'm sure they would be considered out of favor or people are like, oh, my goodness, what are they doing? You know, it's sort of like it didn't sit comfortably with people because it was questioning. It was making people question, you know, the way they saw the world. And sometimes people get really uncomfortable with that. So that's another way that I like to kind of refer back. It just makes things easier on ourselves. I think as artists, the struggle is tapping into our inner selves and creating and putting our hearts out there. We don't need to have the struggle of thinking of the product, of how it's being received, of, you know, whether it's good, of this, of that, because we're actually already going through this kind of extraction process anyway. So if we can find ways to be easier on ourselves and gentler on ourselves, then I think all the better because it then just allows us to keep stepping forward in the journey, in the process um, and just keep believing that it is a process and it is, and as you say, we are basically evolving all the time. And ironically, I came out of my course 10 years ago and I felt like I knew everything. And as you do when you've sort of come out of like, you know, something. And now I feel like I know nothing. Like I said to you on my message the other day, I feel like I'm questioning everything, you know, after a decade, because so much has changed for me. But yet there are things that not necessarily that I know, but that I feel and I've experienced. And if, if I can cling on to that and pull that with me, I was thinking I was talking to someone the other day about children. And you know, when children are you know, up until the age of about four or five, they don't remember much between the age of like four, you know, up to about four or five. And uh, I remember my son, I took him through a car wash at the age of sort of six. And he was so excited. He was like, this is my first time in a car wash. And I'm like, no, 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 it's not. <laughs> and I was just like, you know, oh my goodness, all of these amazing things that I did with you up until you were five, and you don't remember any of them. And, um, and I think this is exactly the same as artists. But it was how we, how I made him feel, how he experienced things. And that kind of blueprinted on his mind. He will carry that with him for his, the rest of his life. And I think that way about our work and our journey and the fact that we can't remember every picture we've taken. We can't remember every painting we've done or everything that we've said, but it's how it's made us feel. And, you know, whether we feel freedom or joy or release or, you know, accomplishment, whatever we feel, that's what blueprints on our mind. And I think that is what carries us through beyond. And that's what keeps us going. Um, and I think that, that as artists, that's very much sort of what we need to be able to do that. And we can only really do that for ourselves. That's another thing about this journey is that artists generally, you know, we do work alone, we build communities, but in the moment when we're creating, it's coming from us. That is something that is not new. That's that's how it's been forever. And it is something that, you know, we all um, struggle with, but it's really up to us to keep going and keep trying and keep, 
keep asking me questions. That was a very long answer to <laughs> how does art stay with you? <laughs> I really, I really enjoyed listening to that though. I was thinking about how just hearing how the artists went through their journey and their process and evolved over time, I think also can help give us some perspective on our work. Like you said, sometimes there's so much emphasis placed on, is this photo good right now today? Or am I moving forward in my art? Or am I getting better? Or did I convey my vision? And just remembering that if you're in it, you're going to go through different styles or you know express your voice in a different way, or something may not resonate during that one time period. Like you said, the blue time period, something in that time period may not resonate with everybody, but then the next sort of place that you land might be more received by more people maybe, but does it really even matter if it's our voice and it's our journey? And I I agree with you. I think that that's something that we all have to work out for ourselves. What does that struggle look like for you? Or how do you sort of balance that push and pull that happens in that in the creative process? Because there is that sort of ebb and flow of creativity and inspiration. And Yeah, there really is. As many people know, we've relocated. Uh, so since I trained, we've relocated countries a number of times. And I've kind of switched uh, genres. I've gone from being a very family-focused photographer. I've done some weddings. I've done some births. And now I'm in New Zealand. And now I don't really have access currently to clients. So I'm taking lots of pictures of landscape and the occasional sheep. And that's sort of challenging in itself. But it's also liberating in itself because that change brings freshness. It brings newness. I think often it's a case of perspective. But in terms of ebb and flow, I struggled for probably the first sort of maybe six, seven years with it because I felt like when I was struggling and wasn't maybe connecting with my work or I didn't feel the ideas were flowing, I sort of I fought it and I was looking outward all the time and I was looking at other people's work and I was like, well, what are they doing? What what should I, what could I try? What you know, rather than just going, I just need to pick up my camera, go for a walk. And it sounds so simple and so basic. It's giving yourself that permission to believe in the universe and believe in the work that you've already done that will come with you as you take photographs and as you go forward. I think when we pick up the camera, we feel like we have to reinvent the wheel all the time. We feel like we have to create something new, especially now with the incredible veracity that Instagram has on our, our life and our work and our the volume of photographers that we follow and we interact with. It's so easy to look and go, oh my goodness, I really need to be like surging forward always and creating new stuff and coming up with like the next wow picture. And, and I think for me, I've definitely got to the point where, particularly in the last year or so, you know, we, we've been very fortunate in New Zealand. We haven't been locked down like many, many countries, but I do exist within a space of like one, two kilometers square, sometimes a little bit wider, but really the place that I shoot in, the time that I am able to shoot is often when I'm walking my dog because the rest of the time I'm busy being a mom and run, running around after kids and cooking and cleaning and doing all that stuff. So really the time that I have to create is really restricted to a small area. To keep creating different work in that area is hard. It's really hard. But that's when it's just about believing that it will be with you. And sometimes some days it won't be with you. And you just have to let those days go. Even if you're doing like a 365 project at the moment, I'm doing a 365 project. And I did one a couple of years ago, which changed a lot for me. Even in those moments, you just have to peel back and go, okay, well, I'm not going to find the wow image that I took two months ago, but I might be able to find something which triggers me to pick up my camera and go, that's really beautiful. Uh, Let me see how I can capture it. Let me see how I can explore it, whether it's a little bit of light or some color or, you know, you try a different thing. Like I know for me, double exposures really tell the story of the way I feel my life because my life, as I already explained with the journey that I've been on and then my moves and all lots of things, I feel like my life is hugely layered. And so double exposures really help me express that layering in one image. It started as trying it out as a as a technique because it looked cool and it looked really interesting and it looked like fun. And you know, and so I started by, you know, the journey. And like I said about that imitation, 
it's like you see other people doing it and you're like, I'm going to give that a go. And then comes the innovation in terms of how does this fit with my work, my message, my feelings? And I'm like, well, actually, double exposures aren't just a technique for me. They're not just a tool. They are something that help me process my life and reveal to me that life is layered and life is, you know, a juxtaposition and all of that sort of stuff. So it's really about having a few specific threads that you can pull on when you're feeling uninspired or unable to shoot or and just just slow down and go, what can I notice about right now? What is pulling me in? Often for me, it's light. More recently, it's been color. Uh, I've had a massive shift in my work in terms of color in the last probably two years. Before that, color wasn't ever something I considered. And it's really funny because if people looked at my feed now and heard me say that, they'd be like, that's really strange because your work is all about color. Whereas before it was my story was like more often than not. That was my draw. But actually, I've evolved uh, and I've shifted and light is still hugely important to me and is the one thing that will that helps me when I'm lost it kind of pulls me back but color now is another layer to that and that's what's really exciting but it's about understanding what you need from your work and what what you want to say you know for me realizing that I have an intrinsic need to create because I struggle to process a lot that's in my head and as I know a lot of photographers feel the same and and sometimes a lot of the things that we're feeling don't need to be said or maybe even shouldn't be said so so actually by taking photographs it uh it helps get that out it helps us kind of process uh I've had a lot a lot of changes I've moved a lot and life is busy and fast and and sometimes it's hard to do that processing in the moment so I was listening to you talking to Cami and I know that she she very much says the same sort of thing Cami Turpin in that you know, it is about processing that moment or being able to reflect on that moment for the later date. So, yeah, it's it's really about the ebb and flow is, is something we all experience and it can it can knock us sideways. Um, but it's really about believing in that the light will come back or you will feel that pull again and not again, not getting overly concerned by the fact that just in case today, tomorrow, for a week, if you don't pick up your camera, it's fine. The world is not going to end. And just to keep going. And, and in that time, I sometimes reflect on my my own work. I spend time with my work. I know that uh, Sig Harvey talks about having dates with her pictures physical tangible pictures and I do that I I spend time with my work because I feel like it's like I'm spending time with myself I'm spending time with my vision again I think it helps with the blueprints if you're constantly looking at other people's work then you'll get you can get confused because you're like well this is what they're doing and this is the story and this is where they live and this is the pictures they're taking so you're confusing you know, your sort of internal blueprint. But if you spend time with your own work, you're like, okay, well, this is what I noticed last week or last year. And actually that was really beautiful. And there was a reason why I took that picture. And there was a reason why I was drawn to that specific moment of connection or that specific light. I'm going to go back and revisit that. And I'm going to go back and look again and dig into that because actually that came from inside me and uh, and I want to pull on that thread. So it's really, as I said, it's really about having sort of, I build these this little toolkit of how to keep going through the ebbs and flows. So it's either spending time with my work or it's using one of the tools or like double exposures or, you know, pulling into I love the color blue. So I get pulled into that and I go, what can I find that's blue? And is there something exciting that's happening? We've all got these tool belts that we're all filling all the time. I mean, how much education do we do and how many podcasts do we listen to and you know things that and spent time spent you know we're, we're we're all filling our tool belts but then when we get lost we're like we forget to look in our tool belt we forget to look at the things that we have with us already and all the work that we've done already so yeah that's sort of really how I navigate that it doesn't always feel it's not to say that I don't feel it on Last week I had a day and I sat there and I just felt it was because I was tired. The online course we'd 
been running had finished and obviously we've relocated and I just felt so tired and so empty of energy but also creatively and actually Cindy Kavanaugh who I run who I do a lot of work with we were messaging and I said I said I just want to cry because I just have nothing in me to pick up the camera and I just and you know it's easy to feel at that moment this is it this is the end but you know you go and you have a sleep and you do something else and you look at something else or you you know just forget about it for a while and and it will return because it's it's in us it's part of what makes me who I am and uh, it holds me up and it's just believing that we can keep going and we will keep going. And sometimes a rest is a really good thing. Sometimes we need that. You need that time and that space to just put the camera down and do something else, sleep, look at something else, (laughs) spend time in your life working on other things. And then all of a sudden you'll have the spark of creativity or spark of inspiration, or you'll see the light reflect in a certain way that makes you want to go and run for your camera. So I do think that rest is a part of that. And we, we forget that with the pace that we're trying to keep up with in producing and putting work out there. And and so I, I think that's such an important piece that sometimes we don't talk about enough as artists. And I think it's important to hear other people say, sometimes I just have to put the camera down and and rest or do other things because then I think it allows that space for other people to go, oh, okay. So it's okay to put the camera down for a minute. I would love to hear a little bit about like what kind of questions do you ask yourself when you are spending that time with your pictures, when you're looking at them and you're reflecting? Are there things that you tend to hear in your head repetitively in terms of questions or things that you're looking for in your own work? Yeah. What I tend to ask, I tend to try and sit there and try not to ask too many questions initially. So I will just sit there and have a little personal celebration of the fact that I've worked really hard. And that I've created some really pretty pictures. I try to do it outside of Instagram or social media because I'm it's not about likes, it's not about comments, it's not about anything. It's about sort of what I've seen and felt. I just sit there and I just exhale and I'm like, this this is good. This is going okay. And then I once I've sort of sat there and had a little moment of yeah, I'm, I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. And then I start asking the questions and I feel sort of think, well, what am I seeing? And then when you start seeing a volume of your work together, there are definitely threads that are like, well, what colors am I seeing? And what all of a sudden uh, am I seeing? There are lots of water pictures or lots of double exposures or uh, lots of details or lots of wide shots. It goes back to that, I guess I pull in at that point, my understanding of art from my art history training and my, you know, knowledge and my appreciation of art in general. And I really start kind of just going, well, what am I seeing? And what am I loving? And what well, maybe didn't work or not that didn't work, but I probably won't do again. And it really helps me kind of almost create like a mini growth going forward of, oh, well, yeah, I really actually, I really love that picture. And, and you know, and sometimes you look at it and you go, that's probably the best that I could have done with that scenario, but maybe I could do something differently. And then think about sort of, well, that picture really pulls me in well why is it pulling me in you know is it the color is it the details is it the technique really sort of start analyzing my work in that way but really fundamentally I just try and be kind to it and myself and just know that in that moment I did the best with that scenario that I could whether it was time whether it was light whether it was moment you know if you go back and you're too critical then it can sort of trip you up going forward I've learned over the years that if we're too critical of the life that we're living in terms of you know how we're capturing it we're actually being critical of the life that we have. And I don't think that serves us as artists or as people, as mothers, partners. I think to be able to recognize the fact that there are times when the weather's miserable and we're not inspired, but we still create. 
and what did we make the best of in that moment and then what I love to do is when they're printed I love to move them around so I like really like I think that's where my tangible side has comes in and where my absolute deep desire to push forward in some kind of tangible way moving forward is that, that I love the digital age and it's brought me so many people and so much community and so much learning and so much diversification and all that sort of stuff but I you know part of the reason why I became a photographer was that the physical feel and presence of a photograph of the fact that you can spend time with it and that's why I try and return to that moment. So I literally kind of move them around and I and I kind of try and find common threads and go, oh, well, you know, that landscape looks really amazing with that picture of a chair that I took yesterday, but the landscape I took like two years ago. And then you kind of pull them together and go, actually, this is really beautiful. And the more threads you pull, the more, as I said, the more it gives you inspiration and freedom to move forward because you realize that you are creating this amazing kind of patchwork quilt um, and it's your quilt and it's beautiful. And to spend time with it, I think is really important. You know, I think get your family involved, especially if you've got prints, get your family involved, you know, bring them in and um, get them to see what they see or get some friends, some photography friends and see what they see, because actually we can get very stuck in our own narrative of what we're creating and what we're doing. But when you ask someone else what they see, it can like totally bring something else out. And that's a really, really interesting process as well. But I think celebrate your work too, as I said at the beginning. I think it's very, again, very easy to, you know, put our work out there on Instagram and then kind of it shifts. As soon as we put it out into the world, it changes it for us because the judgment of ourselves in terms of we're choosing what to put out there we're judging it and then by putting it out there then there's the how it's received and it's very difficult almost impossible I'm sure there are some people that do it but not many of us are able to not be affected by how it's received so in reality you know it's sort of take that moment to celebrate the work that you're doing and celebrate the images that you're taking and go this is work that I'm doing this is hard work that I'm doing this it takes time and it takes a another level of appreciating and looking at life that many many don't take the time to do you know we as photographers notice things and it, it was about five six years ago that I sort of had that realization that I was with some a few people and I was out and I was just taking pictures with my phone I think and um, they were like oh can we see the pictures you've just taken and I sort of shared them and they, they were like wow I, I didn't see that or I can't see that or I'm like that's really amazing because we're standing in the same place and and I can see stuff so just take time to celebrate um, it's okay you know we sort of live in this world and this kind of uh, culture of not celebrating ourselves I think we can give ourselves a little permission to celebrate because if we celebrate our vision it helps us you know be confident in moving forward because photography and this path that many of us choose is a lot about confidence not overconfidence not kind of you know but just a sort of inner sort of core belief that the questions that we're asking and what we're seeing is worthy of it it's worthy of our time and worthy of you know taking it away from our families, you know, because that's what happens. It sounds like being reflective is a huge part of your work. And I I love how you have this bigger picture too about celebrating the work, the questions you ask yourself, but having it be tangible. There's so many different pieces to what you just sort of described. How do you think being reflective has helped shape your, your style and your voice? And are there other things that you do throughout your photography that help you or that you have seen have sort of helped you define what you feel like your voice is as as a photographer? Yeah, well, absolutely. I, I definitely think that printing is paramount really to the process because firstly, although we edit on a bigger screen, we then reduce our art to this tiny little square. <laughs> and And that changes it because we we're then working out whether it's going to have impact as a one by two little square. And 
And, you know, and that's not always good for our art. That's not always good for the images that we're taking. I think it's really good to see them in, in different formats and different sizes. I definitely agree with you. There were some that I printed about two years ago and I put them on my fridge to have them in my life and sit with them. And actually, it is it is interesting because I really started this reflection process with greater gusto when I created my book. Because absolutely, when you have an image and you sit with it for longer, there are things that you notice, things that work more for you or you see, or things that leave you a little bit empty with some images that when you see them for, you know, all of about 10 seconds in a one by two on Instagram, you go, oh, like, oh, like, I like that. Yep. Move on. And, you know, and it fits in the flow and it fits and it has that impact. But you sit there for 20 minutes and look at that picture as a print in front of you. And it potentially, you know, it might leave you asking questions that you don't necessarily want to ask or whatever. So I think it's definitely that. And what, so what I did when I was creating my book was I printed some images out. And there's one particular one. I went through a phase of freelancing a lot. I'm not freelancing quite so much now. It definitely, I'm sure, will come back. But Currently, I'm not really doing it, but I was doing a lot then. I was freelancing. I was double exposing with my freelancing. And there was this one particular image that I really loved. And again, it worked really beautifully and the colors were really beautifully and they were like creamy and, you know, and, and I put it on my Instagram and everybody loved it. And then I printed it out and I stood it, put it on my fridge. And every time I went to it, the more and more I looked at it, the more I felt there wasn't anything to hold me in that image. Because it was freelance, it was soft, and it was double exposed, so it was even softer. But there was no point. It was just a wash. And wash images are beautiful. But for me, I realized in that moment that I need something for my eye to hold on to. Even if it, it, was, a, it was a flower, I think. So even just the, like, the edge of a petal or the internal stamen in focus, something, just something. And that was a realization for me, for my work. And the only way I was able to have that realization was because that image was with me in print form. And I looked at it over and over and over again. In your answer to your question about how that helps with my vision, it's these little spark of realization and inspiration and letting go. There's a huge, huge part of the letting go that I've come to have as an important element in my work because we can't all do all of the things all of the time. It's crazy. So it's the letting go of, well, I was doing that and it served me during that time and it told the story that I felt or fulfilled my emotions of that time. But I'm just for now going to let it go and, and I'm going to go in this direction and that's fine. So, yeah. And, and so I printed these pictures out and I literally kind of put them within the text of the book as I was creating my book. I kind of put them up. I looked at them, how they sat with one, one, with one another. I looked at the sort of variety that was in there. So it really helps you see yourself as a whole rather than as these individual images. I think there's a real danger in Instagram that we kind of pivot ourselves on the strength of individual moments of individual images. I love it when people share like maybe four images. Um, I don't often do it, but I love it when people share like four images and create the story. And we on our blog, the For the Love the Photograph blog, we share people's stories or series or projects, not as a whole necessarily, but, uh, you know, maybe like 10 images from a body of work because we as artists aren't individual moments. We as people aren't individual moments. We are a mass of a million moments. We're a mass of color, of light, of mood, of emotion. And so therefore we are our entire body of work and not just a single image. So absolutely, I think the reflection for me is a really, really big part of how I've been able to move forward and uh, remind myself that I'm me and the work that I shoot may not, like you say earlier, it may not resonate with everybody. And and sometimes I share iPhone pictures and sometimes I share pictures that I shot with my DSLR and sometimes I share pictures that I've messed around with on an app and actually work out about 200 gigabytes <laughs> as I found out the other day when I tried to print one 
but it doesn't matter because it's part of my sketching process. It's part, like when I was at art college, I have these sketchbooks that are like, you know, probably about six inches fat. And they're literally like pages of me exploring colors and lines and textures and movement and photographs and all sorts of things. Because as artists, to be able to create the big wowie work, we have to do the exploration. And I think the only way we can explore is to keep looking forward, keep looking out, but spend a lot of time looking in and a lot of time looking back. It's a 360 degree process. And I think when photographers come into this medium, they view photographers, they may consider at the top of their game or whatever you want to call it, you know, accomplished or have lots of followers or whatever it is and go, well, they've worked this out and this is what they're doing. And that's what I want to do. And they try and skip that step, that massive step. They try and skip it. And it's like, you have to go through the wood. You have to go through the forest. You have to go through, wade through the river and climb the mountain and come back down the other side and then go up the next mountain. And you have to go through that journey and continual journey to be able to get that vista, get that view, create those beautiful pictures, because all those big, amazing, beautiful pictures that everybody goes, wow, they're made up of all these little steps. Um, and I think that is such an important thing. And a lot of what we, like you say, we don't talk about this stuff. We don't talk about the rest. We don't talk about the reflection. We don't talk about all of this stuff that is absolutely paramount to the creation process and to getting to where we're happy and feel free with our work uh, and in our voice. And along that way, uh, we talked a little bit about, you know, how the people pleasing, you know, like, you know, along that way where there are different stages where you kind of go, oh, well, you know, well, I have to do it for clients and I have to do it for like to get grades in school or I have maybe I'm part of a community that has a set standard of quality of image and I have to meet that all the time. Well, that doesn't allow you to make these trips and these scuffs and these, not mistakes, but these kind of like, you know, sketches. It doesn't, there's no allowance for that. It's sort of all this expectation all the time to be this brilliant photographer. And that's the thing, like I said earlier, I I feel like I'm now 11 years into it and now I've got less answers now than I did when I started because everything changes all the time and we change and we grow and, you know, I used to take lots and lots of pictures of my kids and now I take less pictures of my kids and that leaves me in a space of, well, what am I going to take pictures of? So it's like this constant growth and, and when you try and push that growth into expectation of others, they need a, well, if I'm going to buy this from you or into you as an artist or, you know, then I need to know that that's what you're going to continue to deliver. And if we're true artists, that's really, really, really hard, really hard. And then we start losing the love of it, um, which is why my book is called For the Love of a Photograph, because it's like we just sometimes need to go, okay, why did I start? Why did I pick up a camera? Why? What brings me joy? Who am I in in this sea of everything? You know, in 10 years' time, Instagram may not even exist and it's something else might exist. And all of these pictures that we're taking, they'll only be for us. But that's really amazing. That's really amazing that we have this documentation and this creation and this freedom of vision. That's why that's why I think it deserves celebrating. So yeah. There's so many things that you just said that I want to go back and visit. So many different points that <laughs> seem just really resonated with me. I love the idea of calling it like a sketch like the sketching process or the sketching part of the process. I didn't go to art school, so I don't have that background language to use to describe it, but I can definitely relate to the experience of trying to get to that final result and having to work through what's not working and try again and what's not working and try again until you get to that (laughs) final end result. And I, I really think framing it in the way of calling it a sketch sort of eases that pressure some. I'm just sketching right now. I'm just sort of trying to bring this vision to life and it's going to take a few different sketches and I'm going to have to erase and start over to get to what that final image is. And so I love the way that that sort of helps me visualize or frame that process that I know I've gone through. I just didn't have a name to call it. So I I really like how you described that. And I also think it's interesting to think about that one sort of final image because I think back 
in the days before Instagram, when it was more about blogging, the focus, I think, was more on storytelling. So you did have more than one image. People didn't blog typically with just one image. They blogged with multiple images and it was a story and you you could take classes on how to build the storytelling for a blog post, for example, or how to shoot in a storytelling format. But I, I think some of that's lost on Instagram when you're trying to come up with the hero image, the one image, but you lose some of those details that come with the story. What was the beginning? What was the end? What, where are the details? And you have to sort of choose one of those pieces to be the one image that you put out there and you lose all the rest of what we as the artists maybe had as a part of our vision. And I never have thought about it that way until you mentioned sort of the one image. And then you were talking about how you guys like to highlight people's projects and and have more than one image. And I think that that's so important. And I wish that we could bring some of that back somehow. And and I don't know that it's on Instagram maybe, and I don't know that blogging is going to come back either, but just Maybe it's even just something that individually could be a goal to bring back yeah. more of remembering that it's a story. Absolutely. Usually. It is a story. And sometimes there is the one picture and that's okay too. There is no right or wrong. And that's like one of my first lines in my book. It's like the amazing thing about photography is that there is no right or wrong as much as there can be a perception that, you know, something is strong or weaker or good or bad or whatever. But in reality, there is no right or wrong in this. And that is one of the most freeing thoughts when you start creating and you start picking up a camera. And absolutely, I think our process is part of, or to get to that end result, there is a process there is a journey and our work. Uh, absolutely, I'm exactly the same. I used to blog quite a lot. And and because I trained as a documentary photographer, it wasn't about necessarily for more photo journalism. You know, there was that kind of emphasis on that one picture that maybe told the whole story. But with documentary, certainly, you know, it's something that takes time. I remember um, meeting a couple of Magnum photographers and there was one particular photographer I was talking to and they've been working on a story for a decade. You know, the same story. You try and translate that now into what we do and it just doesn't fit anymore. That, That doesn't fit anymore. But why not? To understand something, you know, and in the days of film, you know, they would go out and if they had one shot from a week's worth of work, it was a good week, you know, whereas now it's this kind of like we need to be taking award winning photographs every day. Well, that's just not, you know, it's just not possible like that. It's just going to make us all burn out. (laughs) It's just not sustainable. Um, It might be for a while, but it's not sustainable long term. So, yeah, definitely. And I think also when prior to Instagram, like I said, you know, you would work on a project and then reflect back and go, well, what are the 20 images that would make an exhibition or that would create a blog post or that would go in a book? This whole constant exposure of the journey, I tend to share and I'm really trying to, when I share, there are some images and I'm like, I'll just literally put doodling, you know, and because I want people to know that I'm not expecting this to be an image that everybody is viewing as my next best image in any way. I want them to know that this is part of the process. And like you say, the more we can put that out there as something that is a possible way to think about it, it helps other people that don't necessarily think so deeply about this stuff as others of us. I definitely think a lot about the process more than um, probably many. So, you know, and I think, well, if I can put it out there. And, and and actually, I've had responses from people saying, I just love seeing that you are so open to sharing the stuff that you play with. And I'm like, if I can help people do that and feel freer with that, then that that's just awesome. Because so the sustainability of Instagram as artists is really, really hard, especially now it's morphed so much in our sort of best of, best of, best of. Whereas if you remember like, When it started a decade ago, it was like, oh, and here's my cup of coffee. (laughs) Every so often I'm like, I might just share a picture of my coffee just to like remind people where we've come from. So yeah, there are definitely projects now that I'm starting to work on that I'm not sharing and it may not even appear on Instagram. It takes quite a lot of discipline to do that because that kind of oxytocin rush of when we share the image and get the acknowledgement and the interaction and the 
you know, being part of the community and that sort of thing, it's pretty intoxicating. So it's really a discipline to not share your work. But I definitely think that as artists, I think it might be a resurgence back somehow. I'm not sure, like I said, I'm not sure how that looks or what it looks like, but I'm definitely in that process of, I think now, because we've moved to a farm and our life is really hands-on it's really tangible I have this desire to see my work in print or in other forms or you know in ways I can feel and touch rather than just through the digital form and again that's why I wrote a book I thought about putting together a pdf course or something with all the, the things that I wanted to share but I was like, actually, I want people to sit with my book away from a screen and sit with the images and think about them. And, you know, to have that moment away from the digital buzz that we get in our brains when we're looking at our phone or our computer. And I don't want it to get lost, you know, in a sea of PDFs and client images and all that sort of stuff um, that we all have gumming up our hard drives. That's why I wanted the book and then the journal. The online course has evolved from that. But there's a, a lot of elements within, even within the online course that we pull it back. It's like we're doing this constant kind of pull back to the tangible. I think we can learn, like you said earlier, like we can learn so much from those physical images in front of us. You know, there's a lot we can learn through the digital age as well. But I think it brings another layer. It brings another richness and depth and time and that sort of restful. And like you say, I have uh, moments where I look at my husband and I go, which of these do you? And he he's not trained, although he spent a decade with me sharing my images and talking about them and stuff so he's definitely got this kind of internal understanding of things now and this his he's got his likes and and like I you know I share them and I thought what do you think would you know what what's pulling you what you know which image pulling you or um which would you put on the wall or which do you think you know which you think I should share and it's often not the image that I would be involved in. And that's really interesting. We create work that is being received. Why not have the dialogue with the people that are receiving it? Why not have the dialogue with our clients? You know, sometimes we get so upset when, I mean, I did client work for eight, eight years or so. And I would create these images and I would create the more artful ones that were felt were more me. And then the other safer ones, which I know that they would love. And I would share them. And then originally I had this whole, okay, well, you've paid for 20. And if you want to upgrade, then you have to pay more. And and then, you know, they often didn't upgrade. They just took the 20. Well, not it changed over time. But when they only had the 20 and they selected the ones and they selected the shots for grandma smiling at the camera and all that sort of stuff. And, and your heart would be as an artist, you'd be like, oh, they haven't chosen all the ones that I really love. And that over time, I changed it. I was like, right, this is it. This is hurting me too much. If you buy a session with me, you get all of them. So I didn't have to put myself through that. And I didn't have to put them through the choosing thing. But why not have that conversation with them and say, you know, well, which ones do you love? You know, because how many of us are photographers can honestly hand on heart say that we're only doing it for ourselves and that we're only doing it, you know, particularly, as I said, I trained to be a professional. I trained to make money from this. These dialogues can be interesting and rewarding, but I would be afraid of what other people think because we're putting it out there on Instagram all the time and people are thinking stuff about our work. Some say positive comments, but generally, you know, the the critique, the understanding, the reading of our images isn't necessarily happening. And that, again, is another layer of the richness and the way we can move forward. And um, we can totally reject everything people are saying. It's not saying that we have to necessarily go, OK, oh, well, that's what you know, that's what you see and that's what you think. OK, that's great. That's that's how you view the world. That's awesome. But I'm still going to carry on with the way I'm doing it. But that's fine. But it's it's being open to that. And I think that can be really amazing too. Or more reflection, more reflection. <laughs> yes. Well, I'm thinking about who we create our work for is such a good question to ask ourselves as well. I think that even if you're shooting for clients, for a lot of us, there is a little tiny voice, if we're honest, how will this be received by our photographer peers? Or is this in trend with what everybody else is doing right now? So, and, and of course, there's always a different audience. Are you shooting this to be printed on the wall? Are you shooting it for a family album? Is it for a paid session? 
are you just creating art for yourself? I think there's all those different pieces, of course, but at the end of the day, yeah. there's still a good question is who, who, who am I creating this for? And yeah. what is the end result that I'm hoping to achieve? Because I do think that part of our motivation can be a little shifted by how things are received when we share it on social media. Because like you said, you do get that kind of feedback. You get that positive yeah. feedback when people are liking it or they're commenting on it. And then I, I think there can be a slight sort of almost unnoticed shift sometimes. At least I've experienced that. As things are more received on Instagram, I notice that I'll share more of that style or more of those colors or more of that kind of work. Even if I'm shooting a broader range of things or I have a broader range of things on my computer or I'm working on different projects, I may not share pieces of those because those aren't as well received. And so then before you know it, what you're sharing has almost become skewed because of your audience sort of driving what you put out there. And so it's yeah. such a great reminder. I think I need to put that on a sticky and put it on my computer <laughs> when I'm looking and calling my images. Who am I, who am I editing this for? Who am I calling this for? What am I going to do with this image? Because I, I think there can just be that really unnoticeable sort of shift. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I think also one thing that I've been thinking about a lot recently is sort of understanding what we need and why we're showing up on Instagram. Because I think if we are on Instagram because we're looking to be hired by clients and to get paid work and that sort of thing, then yes, you need to consider that. And you need to consider your maybe curation of your feed. And then also need to understand that, well, if clients are buying from that shop front, then they expect to be delivered that sort of product. And that's one side of it. If you're on Instagram because you want to tell a particular story of your life that's happening, things, you know, around you, then that's fine. If, you, if you're if you on Instagram because you want to be part of a community and it's less about the images, but more about the interaction, then share whatever you like. If you are on Instagram because you want to be perceived as a knowledgeable, experienced teacher, then you need to put your images and consider that. For me, I sort of, it's evolved over time. I used to be on Instagram to be hired by clients. So it was very much more focused on what they see and then what they get. Now I'm in a space where I know a lot of people follow me because I do try things and I am curious and I do play and I do encourage people to be free with their creativity and to to know that it's okay that, you know, if you want to shoot a crazy iPhone picture that's blurred or whatever, it doesn't matter, it's that message. So I now, I feel now I'm in a comfortable space in terms of I can share my creative journey and my creative endeavors, whether they are messy or beautiful or work or don't work or whatever, it's not necessarily about that. It's about the message. And now it's really interesting because now I'm in a transition where I'm like, well, actually, I'd really like to, I'm not really sure where I want to go. I think maybe I want to sell some prints or maybe I'd like to collaborate in like creative collaborations. So like maybe outside of the photography world, I've contacted recently this lady that creates these wool tapestries. And I've sort of said, maybe we could kind of like, you could do a run of like these beautiful woven pieces that could be inspired by the colors in my photographs uh, or different things like that. And now I'm like, but are the people that I'm trying to attract going to see that in my work? Maybe I need to put a separate portfolio together rather than relying on my Instagram. Because that's what another thing that we do is we often fall back to our Instagram. You know, websites now are almost like they're the spaces where people find our contact details. You know, whereas Instagram is like, this is where my portfolio is. But we need to remember as well, like prior to Instagram, there were all these different spaces where we would have our portfolio, whether it was on in physical form or on our website or whatever. Yeah, I mean, photography for me is not so specifically just about the photograph. It's about my message. It's about, you know, what other spaces it can fall into and that sort of thing. So absolutely, I think understanding who we're taking the picture for, but also why we're actually showing up on Instagram. Because if you know 
that you're showing off on Instagram for the community and you're not getting lots of likes, like then you can just let that go. You can just let it go. It doesn't matter if you've got 200 followers or 5,000 followers. You're here for the 200 people that are there and part of your almost like online friendship circle. That's enough. You don't need to think, oh, well, that person's got 250,000 followers. I need to have that many because you know, you actually can't sustain that in a community way. I mean, there are some photographers that do it and amazingly and hats off to them, but you know, it becomes unmanageable at that point. But if, again, if you're online and you're trying to sell yourself as an educator and photographers are your audience, you need to think about that or if clients. And I think that's the thing. It's that it is that reflection of our work, but also of how we're showing up, why we're showing up, who we're showing up for, because that helps us let go of certain things that we can get caught up in. And if we let go, I talk about in my book about the process of elimination. As we go forward, we need to be able to take the layers off and take the weight off to be able to freely go forward with our vision, who we're doing it for, how we're doing it, how we want to see it, all that sort of thing. It's a process. <laughs> yes, it's all a process, right? Just like life. Yeah. <laughs> just like yeah, just like life. <laughs> and it changes all the time. It changes all the time. Yes, yes. You've shared so much wisdom today. I cannot wait to go back and listen to this myself because I feel like there's just so many so many jewels that you've shared throughout this conversation today. I would love just to hear if there's anything that you want to share that you're working on right now, or if you just want to share where people can find you. I know I'll, I'll link to the show notes and outside of Instagram and your website or anything that you just want to put out there for everybody. Oh, that's really kind. Thank you. It's been amazing talking to you. I feel like I've talked for ages and ages. <laughs> At the moment, really, I'm sort of in a quieter period. We've just finished the atelier, which is a three-month course. It's a creative course where photographers who know what they're doing, who know how to take pictures, but maybe they've lost the joy of it or the love of it, or they've just been immersed in their client work and they need a sort of creative reset. We we run that and the next run is sort of happening in September. We keep it really small. There are only 10 people on it because it's really intimate. It's, it is like it, it's the atelier, the artist studio. It's meant to feel that way. It's meant to feel like a really lovely strong community so that's sort of starting again in September and we have a couple of places left as my book for the love of the photograph and the creative journal which runs alongside for the love of the photograph and you can find those on for the love of the photograph.com and that's really it my yeah my Instagram is Chloe Lodge photographer and everything's evolving there are a few things that I'm working on but they're really early days and I sort of feel definitely I need a rest period <laughs> I wrote my book in early 2019 and then obviously the, we've had the pandemic and everything that's happened and it feels like it's been a we've had a few shifts in our lives so everything feels like a constant momentum forward there are definitely things that I'm working on but I'm not really ready um, at the moment but yeah it's just it's been really amazing to talk to you and thank you for the opportunity I just love talking about creativity and now I live on a farm I don't really talk to anyone so I, I feel like whenever I talk to someone it's a little bit like gushing you know so I hope I haven't gushed too much but I've yeah loved it's it. been amazing <laughs> I've loved it I've loved every every minute of it thank you so much for spending time with me today oh thank you Allison it's been great thank you so much for listening today if you enjoyed this episode I would absolutely love it if you would take a screenshot to share on Instagram or with a friend Tag me and Chloe if you share on social media so we can see it and hear how this episode inspired you. Thank you so much for being here with us today.